everyone. <laughs> Are you making fun of my birds, Dave? <laughs> Not intentionally. <laughs> this, uh, we, we have a collection of birds that um, have kind of uh, made our balcony, their, their, the entire balcony, their bird feeder. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> and, and right now it's quite the show because um, the males are gathering food to take back to the nest to the chicks and the mother and the male feeds uh, both of them and so um, now when they come and often they come together in a almost like a flock and they're all the orange-headed males and it's, it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, what that process is. So we've, we've gotten to see it all the way through. This is the first time we've really gotten to watch uh, the male's part in the whole cycle of interesting. bringing birds forth into the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. I really enjoy them. So good morning, everyone. Um, let me see here. I want to make a change in this so I see everybody. Yes. Angela, Robin, Karen Marie. Karen Marie. Where where are you, Karen Marie? What part of the country? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. I am in Longmont. In Longmont. You're not very far away. Uh, you're Karen friend of Angela's, is that right? Yes. Right, got it. Got My it. video. Oh, wait, there it is. Okay. There you are. Yeah. All right, good. Sophia, Peggy Lee. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for showing up here this morning. Um, Whitney and I are going to um, be sharing, sharing with you. Um, what it means to be, have the world be our classroom. Um, that I, I know sometimes once we really dive into A Course in Miracles and we feel um, like it, it really is our life and it really is all we want to do, all we want to do. And uh, there's, there's a temptation and it comes up for every one of us at some point, I think, um, where we just wish we could read The Course of Miracles and go to classes and uh, watch online and go to seminars and be with brothers who are all doing the same exact thing that we are. And so um, at some point, we, we have to learn that um, Jesus is actually um, very clearly directing us to the world and that our classrooms are really in the world and primarily in our relationships with, with one another. So, you know, the, the very attractive idea of going and living in a cave uh, or, you know, living in the backwoods. And, uh, you know, I've had all those fantasies and I've actually uh, done a couple of them. <laughs> And uh, I always get sent back to, uh, you know, to where, to where I truly am, which is in, in the world. So we're, 
here at School for a Course in Miracles. If you happen to pick this up at a later replay on, um, we now have um, a podcast uh, platform called Podbean. So you could go for School for a Course in Miracles dot Podbean and um, you will find uh, many of our uh, talks are there. So um, for people who asked about Bruce, Bruce, you're up on Podbean <laughs> from last night and anybody who wants to catch that. And um, so if you're watching in a later place though, it's just nice to know you've landed at School for a Course in Miracles and we're all learners here. Uh, and we share our learning. And uh, so it becomes uh, very experiential uh, because at some point we, we understand that um, as, as Jesus would say, a universal theology is impossible. And of course, all the religions have proven that a universal theology is impossible. But a universal experience is not only possible, but it's necessary. And that universal experience, you can, you can call it many, many names. You can call it peace. Peace is usually the word referred to it, which to me means we're no longer in conflict with the will of God. We realize that we do not perceive our own best interests. And uh, we would rather know God's will for us, which for the last week or so, all we've been hearing about is his will for us is perfect happiness. Uh, we share his will for happiness for us, peace and joy abide in us, and that we already have all of that. We not only have everything, we are everything, as Jesus would put, put it. Eventually, having and being come together, and they're one thing, but um, uh, when we're beginning, it seems like they're, they're definitely separate things, and having means somehow getting, and um, given we've already got everything, then we can only really learn to give. So, um, um, I want to open with a reading uh, from Lesson 107, which, which you'll hear more about that if you go to Bruce's class yesterday. Um, I think it's just a, a, an astonishing uh, lesson, and I think it marks a turning point in the curriculum. I really do. Uh, I don't know. Anybody else feel that way? I think it's pretty uh, significant after he's been telling us we have everything and then to go to this um, 107 uh, truth will correct all errors in my mind. And I think of truth and light as being synonymous. Sometimes for me, it's more uh, experiential if I use the word light and other times it seems the word truth but um, uh, light and and truth are the release uh, within the inner mind within uh, what we're going to talk about today is the altar uh, at the altar 
uh, and where we find atonement. Atonement is at the altar. So um, the idea of building an altar in one's mind that is not a physical structure within a temple, but that the temple is the mind and um, that the altar is at the center of the mind and the altar is the correction or the atonement. It's where the, the father and the son come together and where they meet. So to me, that, that, that was very helpful in undoing the temptation to want to bring truth into the dream, truth into illusion and make the illusion real. Uh, another common mistake. So we need to learn that we bring the illusion. And if I think of to the altar in the mind and to lay that um, misbelief, uh, that self-deception, whatever form it's taking, and if I lay that on the altar, he says the altar is strewn with lilies. <laughs> So it's all of um, on our unforgivenesses, our grievances uh, against ourselves, God, and every other thing that lives and moves. And so here at the altar, which is strewn with um, us remembering to come to it and uh, lay down our illusions um, and let the Holy Spirit do the translation into into joy into freedom into peace so the holy spirit can take what we give him and do the translation and the translation is is like the um the atonement the atonement which is the perfect correction any other form of correction that makes the error real <laughs> Is, is not acceptable in our Course in Miracles. It has to be a correction that is, as he says, not a double-edged sword. It cannot be turned into an attack. So the, um, I made a few, um, uh, just a few notes about that, if I can see it. Yeah, here it is. Um, atonement, of course, leads to spiritual sight spiritual seeing and we need that light that the atonement releases in the mind so that we become actually eventually part of the atonement we are we are we join the atonement once we've accepted atonement for ourselves we've joined the uh, the atonement so um a defense that cannot attack is the best defense if you fight against anything, now think of this in terms of your forgiveness process, because atonement is forgiveness also. If we fight against anything, we make it real. If we push back, if we're anything but invulnerable, if we're anything but defenseless, we are having a reaction of some kind and we're giving power. Um, So, um, oh, here's the statement I'm looking for. Atonement denies the power of anything 
not of God to affect us. Another way of saying it, it says no to no. It just says this, this is not real. This has not happened. So again, atonement d denies the power of anything not of God to affect you. And that is the Holy Spirit's job to um, show us that, that nothing has really happened. So truth will correct all these errors if we bring our illusions, whatever they may be, to the light and lay them on the altar and not attempt to ask Jesus to come into the dream and fix a relationship or uh, how to do anything with the other person because there is no out there. We're really bringing our own grievances that we've been carrying with us to the altar. So truth will correct all errors in my mind. What can correct illusions but the truth? Light, atonement. And what are errors but illusions that remain unrecognized for what they are? We didn't recognize them as an illusion. The Holy Spirit's job is to show us because they disappear. Our problems dis disappear, the issues disappear, what we thought we saw disappears. That's how we actually <clears throat> have the experience of learning that these are not real things, these are illusions. They merely vanish, leaving not a trace by which to be remembered. They are gone because without belief, they have no light. So the light that is released within us literally shows us that this was a figment of our imaginations. They have no life, they're gone. And so they disappear to nothingness, returning whence they came. From dust to dust they come and go, for only truth remains. Can you imagine? what a state of mind without illusions is, how it would feel. Try to remember when there was a time, perhaps a minute, maybe even less, when nothing came to interrupt your peace. When you were certain you were loved and you were safe. Then try to picture what it would be like to have that moment be extended to the end of time and to eternity. Then let the sense of quiet that you felt be multiplied a hundred times and then multiplied another hundred more. And now you have a hint, not more than just the faintest intimation of the state your mind will rest in when the truth has come. Without illusions, there can be no fear, no doubt, and no attack. When truth has come, all pain is over, 
for there is no room for transitory thoughts and dead ideas to linger in your mind. Truth occupies your mind completely, liberating you from all beliefs in the ephemeral. They have no place because the truth has come and they are nowhere. They cannot be found for truth is everywhere, wherever, now. And allow that uh, promise to be with us as uh, Whitney is going to share some of uh, her learning around um, this idea of bringing uh, allusions to the, the truth in our mind. Thanks, Whitney. Thank you, everybody. Mm. As you were reading, Lynn, even just up to the last 10 seconds, the, the thought that came to me was really like right here, right now, even with all of the, like it seems sometimes for me in living the course that when I hear something like, imagine what life would be like if this light was extended, you know, truth is this and that, the exact opposite is what seems like it shows itself to me. Uh, sometimes that's the experience of living the course for me is that when presented with the truth, that which isn't the truth bangs against my door. And, um, and just now as you were reading, it happened again. And uh, I thought this is what it is to live the course to use every moment as an opportunity to be willing to be taught. Even when um, it seems like, um, I don't know if this is making sense, but it's sort of like this, um, can you imagine a state of mind without illusions? And what happens for me is a whole bunch of illusions show up right then. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this can't be the way of the course, except for that. Um, what I've really continued to experience more and more, the more that I devote my life to living a course, the more and more, um, not only do I see that, um, that often when the truth is presented, there's resistance that this mind resists, but that I, I can actually be um, grateful, like authentically grateful for another chance to choose again. And so what I wanted to share today, um, you know, Lynn and I, when we have, we originally shared this before, but when we originally mad, imagined these Saturday meetings together, we were really passionate about sharing real examples of what it is to live the Course in Miracles from, from our experience, um, and everybody has different experiences. And uh, I wanted to share some of my own over the last uh, several weeks 
uh, in the context of taking and being willing to take things to the inner altar. So one of the things for me that is, has, has gotten very clear, especially in the past year or so with the Course and living a Course in Miracles is what it is for me to live the Course in Miracles is to, to truly devote the purpose of this life to forgiveness, really. Not a little bit like, well, when I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to go for that forgiveness lesson. Or when I'm not getting what I want, I'm going to... I'm going to go to the Course in Miracles, or when I'm, when I'm suffering in some way, I'm going to go to the Holy Spirit so I can relieve my suffering. That's all fine, too. What I've really um, taken on, and I use the word devotion and dedication very intentionally. For me, it's, um, it's a devoted life to um, the sole purpose of all things being forgiveness. All things, not just some things. And um, making my life about the choice of my state of mind. So um, one of the uh, things that I love in the course, one of the, the statements, and I'm going to share a lot today, so I'm not, you can go to these, but I'd encourage you to just go ahead and listen to me read. I'll share that I'm going to read something from page 635, which is, um, the only purpose. And um, it's the real world is a state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. The only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. And it's a state of mind. So uh, living a course in miracles for me is the willingness to use all things for that. And um, I, uh, when I think about my sort of early life in A Course in Miracles, I remind myself of, um, uh, so I'm a coach for a living, a leadership coach for a living. And, you know, for, I'm sure for therapists and coaches and people that, you know, seem to for a living uh, do that kind of thing. It's really rough to be with somebody who in the coaching world you, you call sort of not coachable. So somebody that's coming and saying, I really want help. And, um, really the experience as somebody whose role is as a coach to really help somebody see what they can't see. Um, when somebody comes and, and, you know, we call them sort of not coachable. It's a little bit like they already have the answer and they just want, it seems like they just want um, me to offer things that validate their already answer, even though they're acting like they don't know. Or they're acting like they, they want help, and you know. So this is kind of a this is kind of a funny that people in our field you know joke about and or get really upset about. And I noticed that in my early days um, with the course, and sometimes still with the course, that I can be that kind of learner, where I'm really going to the course, or I'm really going to the Holy Spirit, and what I already have is the answer, even though I'm even in my own mind, thinking I, I don't. And I just really want the Holy Spirit to validate what I already know. And I really want to use the world and what's happening for me to get my needs met. Because I actually believe that I know what I want and I know what I need. And I, I, want, the, I want the Holy Spirit to give me an answer to what I already know I want and need. So I already know the problem and I already know the solution. And I'm going to the course to... to um, and oftentimes with very good intentions uh, to just have 
to have that validated. That is not the same as what Lynn was uh, sharing with us this morning about being willing to go to that inner altar. And so as I've been living the course and devoted my life to, the, to living the course, I've come to really ex to have a more of a clear experience of what it is to take something to the temple of my mind and to really bring what's happening, no matter what it is, to that inner altar and to um, lay it down with a willingness to be taught with a willingness to not even think I know what the real question is. It looks like I'm saying, please help me with, you know, in the past week, couple of weeks, really bad physical pain and, 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 and issues, or please help me with money, or please help me with this relationship. But really what I've learned to do is to devote myself to that altar and to taking all things to that altar and laying them down. So, um, so one of the things that has shown up for me in the last couple of weeks is I've, I've had a, I had a very particular specific, uh, um, uh, what seemed like a really big uh, upset with a, with a relationship, one of my closest friends in my life. And one of the things I was aware of is, is um, we, we were talking through something that, that had been happening. And, and um, what I was aware of is as we were talking through this situation, um, via Zoom, of course, um, that we both had really good intentions to have the situation resolve itself. And in regards to worldly appearance, it looked like we were doing all of the right things. But one of the things that, um, one of my favorite parts of the course is uh, a line on page 380. It's in paragraph two, if you want to look at, for it later. But one of the things I love that the Holy Spirit says is trust not your good intentions. They are not enough. And that's because they're of the world. Good intentions are all about um, my personal good intentions, which presume that I know what the question is and what the answer is. And I've got good intentions about it. And what I could see in this relationship was that good intentions hardly carried the day because no matter how much we practiced, um, it was still all about that, that we knew and that the purpose was actually fixing the relationship. It was about having the relationship go a particular way and to resolve this particular issue and that that would be the healing. And what I'm really grateful for was that I knew enough to see this. And I could tell as soon as the fight happened within me, I knew enough to pause and to say, I'm not with my right teacher. I'm just not with my right teacher. I can't see anything and I don't understand anything. One of my other favorite lines that's, that's from that same um, page, page 666 where it talks about the real world is, it, is the line where it says, it must be recognized that all things must first be forgiven before they're understood. And what I understood in this moment with this really um, dear friend of mine is that I was with the good intentions and all of the worldly personal skillfulness and, and um, desire, it seemed like I had to have this issue be resolved. They weren't enough um, because I hadn't forgiven first. I was seeing all of this. I wasn't looking, it, I hadn't put it on the altar and I wasn't looking with the Holy spirit. And um, I didn't understand anything. I knew enough to know this, that I paused 
And I just said, I'm not going to even try to resolve what I think I see because I can't see, I can't understand. And so I can't hear the answer. And so this um, dear friend of mine um, uh, was so willing to pause with me. And I just said, I'd like to pause until I can, I can really see. And um, I spent um, quiet time with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I was working with was um, another line on, on page 381, Little Willingness. Um, I just love this chapter on Little Willingness. And the reminder of, I merely ask the question and the answer is given. The Holy Spirit says, seek not to answer, but merely to receive the answer as it is given. This is something that I have to learn again and again and again, which is not to rush my own answer. It really takes patience to live the Course in Miracles, in my experience. Mm -hmm. An incredible amount of patience. Patience with the process. Patience with my own, with, with myself. Mm -hmm. And a patience and a willingness, kind of like I was referring before to like, you know, those clients who I, I say, you know, good gosh, if I have to another, have another call with that person who's not coachable, it's just awful, right? And so I think, you know, that, that compassion for the resistance that arises in the presence of truth, the more and more I'm with the course and devote my life to it, the more I see the resistance. And sometimes that can be daunting especially as a longtime course student, I think, what the heck? How could there be so much resistance left for such a simple thing? And the willingness to, to go right to that inner altar and say, I don't understand. I don't know the question. I don't know the answer. And I'm willing. I'm willing to be taught. That is living the Course in Miracles. It is as simple as that. And the complexity is thinking that different circumstances and different conditions warrant different behavior on my part, different living the course. Well, in this situation, you know, I'll do it this way. And in this situation, it really is, it's, it's always the same. No matter what specific form it's taking, the answer is always the same. And it's always the little willingness to be taught and to lay the situation down on the altar and say, help me see. And that takes a willingness to be still. And even if the body is going about its business, the willingness to be still in the mind and to wait for the answer. One of the things that I love that this has been useful too, and I, I just pulled some, some references from the course because these are, these are my anchors. That, that, that I go through my life with right now. On page 578 in paragraph eight, the Holy Spirit, the Course says, problems are not specific, although they take specific form. The problem is always the same, even though the specifics look different. And this has also been a big lesson for me in living the Course. All things are the same. There is no order of difficulty. There is no difference in difficulty. There is, n <laughs> it is always the same. And I have to say that this has probably been more of my learning in the last year than 
in my first eight or whatever number of years with the course, I really thought problems were different. And they're not. They're all the same. And they're no, no matter how little, no matter how big, they're always the same problem. And there's always the same answer. And part of what there is to forgive is that I think that there are differences. And I think there's actually a hierarchy of what's harder or, you know, oh, this little bit of frustration, you know, I don't really have to go to the Holy Spirit with that because that's just a little irritation. But, oh, my gosh, that person out there who just, you know, erupted in, a, in, a, in anger with me, now that's something that person, sh they should certainly take that to the Holy Spirit. Or, of course, you know, my, my bigger small things as well. But problems are not specific, even though they take specific form. That's um, been a, a big part for me. Also, one other line I'll read, or uh, this another line. The Holy Spirit will repeat, this is on page 588. I didn't write this line down, um, but it's the Holy Spirit will repeat this one inclusive lesson until it has been learned. It's really important. The Holy Spirit will repeat the one inclusive lesson until it has been learned, regardless of the form of suffering that brings you pain. One lesson, no matter what form of suffering. That has been, um, that has stopped the craziness of me looking for a unique answer to a unique problem and keeping it simple. So I'll share just a, a little briefly. So that was one instance, a relationship, and I'll share how that resolved. And then also the other thing that, that has happened in the last two weeks as a really practical lesson is um, uh, work has, in the first three or four weeks of this pandemic, work went off the charts in some ways in my mind and in, in practice. And I was working more than usual and, and really suffering with a lot that I don't even need to go into. But fundamentally I was suffering and I could tell that how I was trying to solve it was with my own answer. And I had really good intentions <laughs> and it wasn't getting resolved. And so about um, last Sunday, I knew enough to pause again and say, I don't understand what's happening and I don't have the answer and I'm gonna take this to the inner altar. And I paused and I even literally said to my team members um, as we were working that we were going to pause our work. Other than what was scheduled with clients, we were not going to do any more work until we could really hear our answer. And I had enough wherewithal to know that I could pause and wait and that the right answer would be a better answer than all my rushed answers. So in two instances in the last week with a significant friendship and with my work, I literally said, I'm going to pause and, and wait. And um, in both instances, I'll just share so I can give Lynn some more time to do some teaching as well. I'll share that the pausing was really challenging. And uh, I could feel the impatience on my part that if I didn't come up with an answer soon, and address both of these issues, I was going to be in trouble and it was going to, it was really going to go south. Um, I was going to lose the relationship and I was going to lose clients. And that meant I, I wouldn't have a business on the other end of this pandemic. I, I didn't have small things that were in front of me um, as fears. 
But with both of them, I'd had enough practice with the Course to know the Holy Spirit's answers are the only right answers and the only answers in which case I would know everyone would be taken care of. And in both instances, the relationship um, healed and the peace came and the love on both sides happened without even a conversation in that relationship. And um, then with work, the I irony was as soon as I said, there's that we can, we don't need to work and we're going to pause days later, there was such peace that in the last several days I've worked more than I've probably worked um, in the last week. And it has been an absolute joy, a total joy. Um, and it came right out of um, the pausing and waiting. And I didn't even have a thought like, Oh, now this is what there was to do. All that happened was the right movement just happened. It was really like the Holy Spirit was doing the work. So um, I, I will say that um, in both cases, it seemed like I got what I wanted, but it wasn't what I thought I wanted. And I got what was right by, by being in the practice of, um, of the simple practice of going to that inner altar. So I'll end my piece here um, and then we'll open to questions and Lynn, you can, can chime in. But I would like to um, end with something that is a is a is something that I go back to quite frequently um, when I um, when I imagine that when I when I believe that because um, in the face of truth resistance arises again and I I'm tempted to make myself wrong and I'm tempted to say oh my gosh how could a course in miracle student be this upset or this resistant or get this agitated um again i thought i'd already sorted this out um i am reminded of um the chapter choose once again on again on page um i think it's page 666 if i'm going to go to that right now it's the only place um and this is at the bottom on paragraph three Living a Course in Miracles for me takes uh, an awareness uh, and a willingness to really trust the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, the Course says, paragraph three, line one, trials are but lessons that you failed to learn presented once again. So where you made a faulty choice before, you can now make a better one and thus escape all pain that what you choose chose before has brought you. In every difficulty, all distress, and each perplexity, Christ calls to you and gently says, my brother, choose again. I'm so moved by that. Yeah. In every situation, Christ calls to us gently and says, my brother, choose once again. I'm touched. This is a cry. You know, some people worry when people cry. Sometimes I cry when I'm touched at the, at the, um, the gentleness of the gentleness of the course. And, um, oh my goodness, um, that I get to choose once again. And how lovely is that? And that's what it is to live the course is to use the world, not my cave of just being in the course, but to actually use the world to see that I can choose once again. And it's always the same choice. It's never a different one. 
but I get to use the specifics to choose the same thing again and again until all, all that's in the mind is healed. And that's, that's a really, that's a really beautiful life. So there we are, Lynn <laughs> and, and folks on the video, my sharing from my life. <laughs> well, you know what, what, what you, what you shared, the, the, the sum total of the, the whole sharing is yeah. the journey from seeing with the body's eyes to vision, mm. seeing with the light that, that the Holy Spirit gives us, literally gives us to yeah. see uh, a, a, an answer that... Uh, everyone everyone wins no one loses yeah an answer where everyone is equal nobody's ahead nobody's behind an answer where you know there is you know you've been touched by grace yeah this is how we learn that that we can put our faith and trust in something that's really really real because of mm those beautiful um, moments where we see with spiritual sight. Yeah. And that's really the, the entire course in the beginning introduction to the workbook lessons. He said, this is, this is all about learning to see. Yeah. And this you just said it, Lynn. Eventually with enough experience, which is why you said a universal experience is necessary. It's really it's that experience of going to the Holy Spirit and having the answer be shown yeah. enough of those. And now I know that's, I mostly only, I know that that's the only thing I can really trust. Yeah. That's the joy of being in the course as a practice is, is that knowing that that's it's, the only and, thing that's trustworthy. And it's seeing through the eyes of peace. You yeah. know, as he says, you know, um, um, it only takes one to change the world. <laughs> the world that they see is in their mind. You know, it only takes me to do that or you to do that, to see through the eyes of peace instead of through the eyes of fear. And that really is the, the goal of A Course in Miracles, that, that inner peace that we take everywhere with us and we see through the eyes of peace which, which is literally to bring the atonement jesus says we become part of the atonement we become part of the correction you know so such important uh, work to be doing um and i wanted to um hey lynn do you yeah. want to ask to see if anybody has any questions before you oh, um, share so, anything real quick? Oh, qu questions or shares. Anyone yeah. who, you know, I'm sure, you know, what Whitney is sharing brings up some, some experiences for, for each of us. Whitney, I have a question. Um, so just to, like, generalize your algorithm for when to go to golf, <laughs> um, it's that you recognize discomfort in your mind then you pause yeah. and then you go pray to your holy spirit or pray at the altar um it seems to me in my experience that there is a zeroth step to that there's a a foundational step that is more like um being aware of your mental state um did you ever find that you had a 
a point in your practice where at one point in your life you weren't aware of your mental state and did you learn something that helped you i'm sorry my dog's drinking he picked the perfect time for this uh it's okay my cat's snoring (laughs) (laughs) um was there anything in your practice that helped you become better at being aware of your mental state as you went through the day for me personally meditation helped but yeah i think it's really great there's you know certainly I could say many things over the years and certainly in the world I've even done practical work to become more aware. And I would say that being in a, so yes, I, um, I think that's part of the learning um, of even uh, the course in miracles for sure, which is um, Jesus is and the Holy spirit is helping us to see a state of mind. We didn't even know we were in which is part of how the course works is having us actually see we're not as happy as we imagine. So I, I think that all of my years with the course, I've come to see more and more of how I wasn't aware. And um, certainly now the, the, uh, the way I can almost see it can, I can, I can almost catch it arising now. And I think that's just the diligence of practice and um and, and the Holy Spirit reminding us there's not a hierarchy of even feelings, like the slightest bit of agitation. Sometimes I just notice it in my body before I even notice it in my thought, like, oop, I can feel my shoulders just go. And I know. So, yeah, I think you're, you're right on, Alexa. You know, I had a thought um, about uh, another way. And I, I've tried to find this place, Whitney, uh, but I can't keep looking in my book and looking down. But it says exactly what you said in the, um, in the beginning that um, Jesus says, once you choose another way, you become more and more sensitive about wasting time. Yes. I mean, what a way to say it, but you're just wasting time until you're, you know, on the classroom. And when you're really looking for the classrooms, you're alert to them. You want to learn this. I think that's why it's so important, Lynn, when you said that, you know, you were reading Lesson 107, and I had this enormous resistance come up to what you were reading. And at this point, I now know that's good news. Yes. Early in the course, I thought that was bad news, that yeah. something was wrong. And instead, it's what you just said, which is I'm alert to the resistance so quickly mm-hmm. that if I can go, good news, another choice, chance to choose again, this is actually a gift from the Holy Spirit. That helps me use that moment rather mm-hmm. than resist the resistance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a gift. In fact, um, uh, Jesus does say, I, I will make the opportunities for you. I don't know what that means, but there is a place where he says, when you're ready, I will make the opportunities for you. And so I think with him knowing he's a part of our atonement plan, that is his, um, his job, so to speak, is the atonement. Why wouldn't we become increasingly sensitive? Sophia, Sophia has something, I think. And Gretchen, and then I think Sue does too. <laughs> Well, I was perceptive of you. I didn't even know that you could pick that up. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus told me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, so is Sophia first? Sophia, then Gretchen? Yeah. And I think yeah. Sue, Sue then. And Sue, okay. Well, so many things came up during um, 
your, your, your talk, uh, Whitney. Uh, this last piece about um, trying to be alert to that you have a problem. I, I now feel like I have become like that fairy tale, the princess and the pea, you know, where I'm under, you know, like I got a pea under 12 mat mattresses. So sensitized once I start realizing I had these really big issues and start saying I have a problem and something else had to be done. You know, I felt Jesus really helped me with that. Um, I appreciate your practical uh, way of explaining what was happening and how you took us step by step through that. I thought that was really wonderful. And I was seeing when you were doing it, I kept seeing, my, oh, I see what I'm doing. I'm, you know, the ego, my ego world has built this seemingly concrete granite steel world that when I have an issue, um, you know, I have to continually bring this world, like Atlas, to the altar, you know, because whether the problem is big or small, I'm still, it still feels so heavy, you know, and, you know, this, this laying it down, you know, affords me more insight and light um, every time I do that, and it is, it was, it's critically important for me to understand how that works, and what part I have to play in that, you know, which is really the willingness, which is very little. And I think Bruce used a, um, an analogy yesterday about pneumatics, you know, that little lever when this big thing, all I have to do, the willingness is like that little lever for me now, you know, and I, so I don't feel like I have to bring this big, huge thing, doesn't feel that heavy now, you know, and that's what the course does for me. So I just wanted to say thank you and point out what I had gotten a little bit of what I've gotten because I got so much of what you shared. You and Lynn are awesome. Thanks, Sophia. Um, and I just wanted to share um, an experience from earlier this week. I was opening my email and I get all of my bills emailed to me and I opened up a bill, a water bill for $1,200 and I flipped out. I was just like, Oh my gosh, I went into panic mode and problem solving mode. What caused this? Where's the leak? It's going to take months to find. They're going to have to dig up the front yard, but we're trying to sell the house. And what's that going to, you know, and it was just like on and on, just started spinning out of control. And, um, and how many months is this going to go on? And then I just stopped myself and I heard Lynn's voice in my head. I need do nothing. I need do nothing. This is not a problem for me to solve. I give it to the Holy Spirit. I let go. This, none of this is real. I don't have to engage and I don't have to get caught up in the drama. And, um, not 10 minutes later, I just, I let it go. I just, I let it go. Not 10 minutes later, my husband's out in the yard, sticking his finger in a planter, like way up in the back. And he said, Oh, wow. You know, and found where the water was leaking through and a huge wet pile or whatever. Anyway, so he sort of figured out where it was. And so I just texted my landscape company and, oh yeah, we'll send somebody out. Not a big deal. We'll give you a note that you can give to your water company. So they'll adjust the charges. And so that, I mean, it just literally within 15 minutes, it was, it was done. And, and I didn't have to engage in all of that. And so that was good. A couple hours later, I was driving to, to the store and, um, and I got a flat tire on the side of the road. Oh my God, this isn't the right time. I have work meetings and I, have, I can't. 
And then I just, again, you know, because that's my MO, it's problem solving and how, how is this going to end? I worry, worry, worry. And I just, I let it go. I get, I just complete, I, I need do nothing. I need do nothing. Pulled over two minutes later, a stranger pulled over, lovely man, changed my tire for me. And I was on my way again to Costco. While I was there, I thought, okay, gonna get the new tire. And, and again, he's like, well, I don't think we have this one in stock. I'm like, oh my God, you don't have it in stock. And I'm gonna have to come back. And when am I gonna come back? Because I have a busy week, because that's my MO. And say, stop, stop. I need do nothing. This is not my problem to engage. I don't have to be part of this drama. I just, it is what it is. It's up to Jesus. I'm only, I'm only subject to God's laws and no one else's. And he came out and he's like, oh, we have it. It'll take 45 minutes. We'll do it while you shop. So the point is that th this could be my life, just engaging in nothing but the drama after the drama after the drama. And I realize I have that awareness that I literally have to consistently let it go and give it over, over and over. It, little things like whether or not they have my tire in stock. I can make into a big drama or, or big things like a $1,200 water bill. So that was just really interesting because I had so many um, lessons within such a short period of time. And I realized, I, I think I do constantly, I have these opportunities constantly. <laughs> Thanks so much, Gretchen, for sharing that. Um, um, yeah, we have lots of opportunities. And uh, I think it's in chapter four where Jesus starts it and he says, do you realize how many opportunities you've had to gladden yourself and how many you've missed? And the part that I love in your, your whole transition, you don't skip the step of laying it all down on the altar. You don't skip that step. You let it go. And then you see something very differently. So the change of mind is what is key. And, and that's the miracle. It shows you that what you thought was a problem was really not a problem after all. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I'm jealous. Yeah. Gretchen gets more opportunities than me. <laughs> I want more. No, I'm kidding, Jesus. I'm just kidding. I did not mean that. I did not mean that. <laughs> you shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Sue, did you have something? Uh, doesn't look like it. Sue, uh, did you have something you wanted to share? Sue Digo? Oh, okay. She's good. All right. All right. I was, uh, the, my little story this morning was, um, I was going through how much storage space <laughs> was left on our computer because we've been having so many meetings. And uh, I found this literally a year ago, this, um, <laughs> this, this video that, uh, this replay that I did, and I just popped it on. I didn't know I did it, but it was on Jesus. And I'm sitting there listening to it. I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. Maybe I should... <laughs> Maybe I should stop and, and learn something here <laughs> instead of spouting it off all the time. I, I was just really blown away by how much I'd come up with then, a la Jesus, and then, uh, and then it was just gone. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know how much I integrated that. Um, in, in terms of, uh, I mean, this is a plug for Ken. There's a book called From the Lighthouse 
and, and Ken did a whole series of uh, newsletters over the years when he was around um, called the Summit Lighthouse Newsletter. And one of the topics he really covered well and kind of blew me away. And this is a whole collection of those newsletters. And you can get it from the Foundation for A Course in Miracles. In that, he talked about Freud. And Freud, one of big, Freud's big, big wake-ups was he had all these <laughs> clients coming to him asking for help. And then they would, you know, he realized they didn't want help. <laughs> they wanted help the way they were framing it. <laughs> and, and, and the resistance to actually being helped kind of blew Freud away and certainly became one of the foundations for the entire Course of Miracles because Jesus is quite aware of our resistance that we're not even admitting. So framing, the, framing an answer and going in there <laughs> is what I was thinking about, you know, like, um, and, and, and a lot of times, you know, it's based on not just recognize Jesus, recognize the answer I think you should come up with and agree with me, but, but look what I did. I frame it in terms of what I did, like, and so I was looking at this video a year ago, and I was thinking about how far this, how many things the school has done in a year. I mean, we got Podbean now, we got podcasts, we probably have 100 more videos, we probably have this, we probably have that, <laughs> and it's not about any of that. I mean, I mean, if I don't go in as a learner here, if I don't go in and listen to what I'm saying on a video from a year ago, <laughs> what good did any of that do? Just sit, you know, step back and ask for, and, and not try to frame an answer based on what I think Jesus should do or based on what I've done in the past, because it's redefining my whole identity. You need to give me an answer in terms of who I think I am, <laughs> what I think I've done, <laughs> how many replays are now <laughs> available after a year. So uh, that, was, that was my little wake up this morning. <laughs> I should listen to what I say sometimes. <laughs> Anybody else have a, a share or a question? Actually, I, uh, oh, Bruce, I'll I go just, first, Bruce, if you don't mind. Oh, certainly, go ahead. All right, sorry for that. I just wanted to bring everyone's attention to work, but lesson 79, I think it's been very appropriate for our discussion this morning, thanks to Whitney. I'm not gonna read any of it, but it's a great one. I found that this one was super powerful for me. Um, let me recognize the problem so that it can be solved. And it goes into all of the different complex forms that the problem takes. But, and then it goes into a, a prayer at the end and of course the meditation throughout the day where you bring what we think is the problem to the Holy Spirit and, or, and try to recognize it better anyway. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just uh, enjoying everything everyone was sharing t this morning tr tremendously. And uh, like, and most recently, Tim's comment about, you know, practicing what comes, comes through. I, I, I was just remembering um, about a decade ago, I was doing some consulting for the Air Force and we had the, these technical assessments and cultural assessments for process improvement and that kind of thing. And what I realized is that in a situation where I was facilitating these assessment uh, sessions, which mostly were about, you know, people in, in groups uh, all, all at the same rank. Uh, they'd bring the, the, the uh, assignment was to basically share what was working, what didn't work. And I, I quickly realized when people would talk about um, how their colleagues were being brought home in body bags and, and, and um, you know, 
relationships after three or four back-to-back deployments were were uh, you know disintegrating and and you know things like that that i i was realizing that i didn't have uh the compassion compassion that i thought i uh had and i was realizing that i was you know basically harboring judgments about military because i thought well these people kill people right but i was there to to do something then i realized i was the student and 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 they were teaching me far more than than you know to kind of echoes tim's comment than than that I might have been imparting, and then I, then I, another. I also kind of enjoy wordplay, and so I was realizing, you know, the Holy Spirit can use everything as an opportunity to to get us to pay attention, and so uh, I was realizing, well, if I have private thoughts uh, that are you know special, isolated, that's kind of the bottom rung of the ladder. But if I can generalize, <laughs> I, I'm I'm really applying it more and more frequently and so anyway so thank you for everything that everyone shared today really helpful yes um you know i think ultimately i keep coming back to um what's almost become a mantra which is to be truly helpful um you know what what does that mean to be um to be here and to be truly helpful um one of the things that we know about it from from Jesus is that in in our classrooms in the world, uh, our relationship classrooms, we are um, actually learning of our own un, in uh, <laughs> invulnerability, our own invulnerability and how um, that can be extended to our brothers. Uh, Jesus keeps telling us that we really can't be truly helpful um, as long as we are tempted to be victims, as long as we're tempted to suffer in, in any way, uh, even even the slightest um, twinge of annoyance is really a clue uh, that we're um, we're not seeing ourselves um, as as the true one Son of God. We're not really uh, recognizing our own uh, natural state of of beingness which is forever in a state of grace. We all know what that feels like to go there. Um, Whitney described it very beautifully. um, And we all could feel that place where the conflict is gone. And uh, there isn't a second. There's only this, you know, there isn't a second will or a second person or a second anything. There is just simply uh, beingness, holiness, you could call it, spirit. They're all the same word, spirit, holiness, atonement, beingness. And this is, this is what it would mean, what it does mean to be truly helpful, is we're seeing from our own beingness and all we can see is beingness in our brothers. So it's looking from holiness to holiness or looking from beingness to beingness. And 
my experience is that Jesus really means what he says in these early chapters. He talks very passionately um, and intimately with us about how he is taking this journey with us, um, that we don't have much faith in ourselves, but he has faith in us and he will give us his faith. He will give us his certainty. He will give us his clarity. He will give us his vision. He will give us whatever we are willing to ask him for. He is, he is literally there with us. And, you know, what Whitney just testified and, and uh, witnessed to the help that she received and uh, Gretchen, uh, the Holy Spirit really wants to get her attention. <laughs> he gave her <laughs> three packages in a row, you know. <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you can't miss that. It's not like um, it's not like when we come into our identification with pure beingness that we can see that absolutely everything is in our best interest. Everything. There is nothing that is not in our best interest uh, when seen with with the Holy Spirit as our teacher. So. Um, I will um, read something about invulnerability. It's um, before you before you do that. I wanted to uh, focus on one of the things Whitney said. Um, it was about and and Jesus Christ calls to us gently, gently. And uh, the other day in chapter four, when we were going at, over that, um, he said, "I I will." correct your choice for the ego very gently. I mean, not just gently, I'll do it very gently. And I'll lead you back to God. And then he says, and, and this one really flipped me out. He says, I will teach with you and I will live with you. I will live with you, literally. <laughs> we'll do this together. And, and, and it's so, it's so, I was just thinking about, you know, the thing about I need do nothing and the thing about beingness is, is there's no annoyance in it. <laughs> if there's any annoyance at all, if I'm annoyed at all about what you're doing or what needs to be done or what I did and I'm annoyed at myself, is like there's, there's room for gentleness here. <laughs> I need to let gent the gentle Jesus in <laughs> to show me <laughs> the way he sees everything without annoyance, <laughs> without <laughs> getting crazy. Um, you know, scenario after scenario after scenario. Very gently, I will lead you back to God. I will teach with you. I will live with you very gently. <laughs> and, and the best part is we don't have to add another person on the census or buy extra groceries to have Jesus live, live with us, right? So. <laughs> oh, that's way too easy. <laughs> he also says, I need devoted teachers who share my aim of healing the mind. And that, that this is, that's, that's all we're doing here is healing, healing our own minds. And when the mind is healed, it sees 
it sees what's always been there, already there. The world doesn't need to be changed. One of my favorite sayings was from Nizagadada. A student would ask him, you know, how, how do we deal with the world? What do we do? You know, with all of the famine and the suffering that's going on. And he would say, whose world are you talking about? Whose world are you talking about? Because he didn't see the world in that way. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, that would be possible in any circumstance to see a different world. Um, I think that's what Jesus is telling us. And that's why we need do nothing. We need not make up anything or do nothing. We need to, to learn, learn <laughs> that we are invulnerable. So I, I want to read this. This is uh, from Jesus. And he talks about it, I believe it's in chapter 14, um, where he's talking about teaching for truth. And he tells us that we need to make our invulnerability manifest, make it known, <laughs> make it clearly obvious. So I, I had to look that up to see, to see how he might be using that. And he is going to describe what that actually will look like in, in his words. Make your invulnerability manifest to everyone. Teach your brother that whatever he may try to do to you, Teach him your perfect freedom from the belief that you can be harmed. Show him that he is guiltless. He can do nothing that can hurt you. And by refusing to allow him to think that he can, you teach him that the atonement which you have accepted for yourself is also his. There is nothing to forgive. No one can hurt the Son of God. His guilt is wholly without cause. And being without cause, it cannot exist. So always, 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 Jesus brings us back to the relationship and the relationship that we react to, the person we react to, the brother we react to, is, is our way home. If I'm not willing to see that, I can't, I, I, I'm not doing this course until I'm willing to see that. I'm missing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Because 
We know when we're annoyed. We know when we're irritated. We know when we resist. We know when we're not in our full beingness and seeing the beingness of our brother. It's, I mean, it's in the air. You don't even have to see them. <laughs> it's in the air, right? That's, that's the opportunity. That's the place where we need to go to the altar with our, um, our, our temptations, you know, our temptations to make the specifics more significant than the beingness the bodies more real than the beingness that we're learning that we are, that we truly are. And that beingness, when we're being in that being state, that's all we can see. We just can't see any, anything else. The Holy Spirit looks right past the errors, doesn't see them, spiritual vision, in fact, I should close with this a little bit about spiritual vision. This is on page 22. Real early on, chapter 2. Spiritual vision literally cannot see error. It merely looks for atonement. It looks for the correction. It looks for the light in my brother. It looks for the answer, the Holy Spirit speaking to me through my brother. It looks for the good. It looks for what works. It looks for what I love in him. It doesn't look to find a problem. All solutions the physical eye seeks dissolve before this light. Spiritual vision looks within and recognizes immediately that the altar has been defiled and needs to be repaired. That's it. He's a repair man. <laughs> Come to make the repair. <laughs> Reconnect us. Perfectly aware of the right defense, which is the atonement, to not make error real. Perfectly aware of the right defense, it passes over all others looking past error to truth. Because of the strength of its vision, it brings the mind into its service, into the service of the Holy Spirit. So he's literally describing here the mechanics of this shift that's happening. This reestablishes the power of the mind and makes it increasingly unable to tolerate delay. Realizing that it only adds unnecessary pain. Turning point. Major turning point. We become more, more and more sensitive. More and more and more sensitive. 
As a result, the mind becomes increasingly sensitive to what it would once have regarded as a minor intrusion of discomfort. He's speaking to us like children. And I mean, just, you know, here we are. The children of God, I want you to know, Jesus is saying, are entitled to the perfect comfort that comes from trust. Until they achieve this, they waste themselves and their true creative powers on useless attempts to make themselves more comfortable by inappropriate means. Ha ha. <laughs> but the real means are already provided. The real means of the comfort are already provided. And they do not involve any effort at all on our part. The atonement is the only gift that is worthy of being offered at the altar of God because of the value of the altar itself. The Father and the Son, the meeting place of the Father and the Son. It was created perfect and is entirely worthy of receiving perfection. God and his creations are completely dependent upon each other. He depends on them because he created them perfect. He gave them his peace so they could not be shaken and could not be deceived. Whenever you are afraid, you are deceived and your mind cannot serve the Holy Spirit. This starves you by denying you your daily bread to yourself. God is lonely without his sons and they are lonely without him. They must learn to look upon the world as a means of healing the separation. The atonement is the guarantee they will ultimately succeed. How could we possibly refuse It requires nothing of us but the little willingness to accept our invulnerability and share it with our brother. So. Hmm. everyone for sharing mm, Saturday morning. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for your being, your being, <laughs> just being. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yeah, so thank inspiring. You. So inspiring. Thank, thank, thank you, Whitney, mm. so much. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone.
and showing up for the work. Mm. The work. It is the work. It is and the work. Pay attention, right? <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.